0: Hello and welcome to Talk of Today, where I interview experts in science, technology and society about developments in their fields and what they could mean for the future. I'm your host, Sam Bart. So before I get into it, just one or two announcements. Firstly, I've uploaded a few videos to the YouTube channel, so check them out. One is on how much would it cost to crowdsource a solution to the clean energy crisis, and hint, it's less than 10% of global fossil fuel subsidies. The other one is on the automation revolution. So if you, want to find, if you want to check them out, head to talkoftoday.com or go to the Talk of Today YouTube channel or Facebook page. They're posted there. Also, the digital productivity tool I've been working on, LifeTab, is now available on the Chrome store. Head to talkoftoday.com and go to the LifeTab page to install it. Just so you know... Only those with the link can access it at the moment, because I haven't officially released it yet. There are some changes that I'd like to make before making it widely available. But in a nutshell, it's a program that pops up every time you open up a new tab. It acts as a to-do list and as a data tracker for things like sleep, exercise, meditation, and a few other things. So some exciting developments underway, so stay tuned. So the next podcasts coming up are on some really fascinating topics. The first one is on anti-aging with Aubrey de Grey. And we basically talk about how we might live forever. There is a very, very realistic possibility that those who live for the next one to three decades may live to a thousand. So let that sit for a minute. And the other interview is on the future of food with Dr. Liz Specht from the Good Food Institute. And basically we talk about Just like I said, the future of food. Things like lab-grown meat, plant-based meats, and all that fun stuff. And that was a really fun conversation. These are developments that may not only drastically reduce our impact on the climate, but also reduce suffering in the world by a significant amount. And by suffering, I mean the suffering of animals and how we quantify that and measure that or compare that to our own suffering is a whole nother question. But I digress, and that video is actually going to be available on YouTube as well, so you can watch the podcast or listen to it, so it's up to you. Anyway, on to today's episode. The topic for this episode is concussions. Towards the end of last year, I chanced upon a publication from the Queensland Brain Institute called The Brain. The entire issue was on the science of concussions. When I was in high school, I used to do a bit of boxing, and I'd been considering getting back into it. But given the fact that it's a sport where the main target is your head, combined with the news and research about concussions coming out across the world, I was having second thoughts. So I decided to reach out to the Queensland Brain Institute to chat and explore the topic in more detail. Today, my guest is Dr. Fatima Nasrallah, one of the senior scientists looking into traumatic and mild brain injury at the Queensland Brain Institute, which is based at the University of Queensland. So I present to you my conversation with Dr. Fatima Nasralla.
1: I'm uh, Fatima Nasralla wor- working as a senior scientist at the Queensland Brain Institute um, University of Queensland um, and uh, my research is mainly focused on traumatic brain injury and uh, uh, mild brain injuries uh, or what we call concussion
0: mm-hmm. and I became aware of your work as I said previously, um, a couple months ago, with the uh, the first edition of the Brain, which is a, a publication or a magazine that um, the Queensland Brain Institute uh, has just started, is that correct? It's, it's, it's a new, yes. So yeah.
1: it's a it's a new it's a new um, it's a new sort of edition of a magazine, or probably the first edition uh, that was on concussion, and uh, it. Uh, focused on uh, NFL players and concussion around NFL players, what the symptoms of concussion are, um, how we can diagnose them, and what we're doing to be able to contribute to the field of concussion.
0: So what exactly is a concussion?
1: As I, as I said, there's a sort of extreme range of a mm-hmm. brain injury, and concussion is basically a brain injury. So you have the extreme of a traumatic brain injury, which is a very severe, uh, and you have the very mild extreme, which is what we call a concussion. And a concussion is basically an impact to the brain. So you've hit your head, um, but the knock uh, is not sort of visible. So mm-hmm. you don't have a um, scratch. You don't have a um, fracture of a bone. And so what happens if you have to envisage your brain as like a, a small jelly type, uh, uh, a small jelly, you know, uh, and, and and that's in a, in a cushion of, of, of fluid around it, and then you have the hard case, which is like a metal skull or so, and so what happens is that this brain or this jelly, which we call the brain, is, is always protected by this uh, fluid around it. And so it swims in this fluid. And if you hit your head against the wall, um, this, this fluid sort of serves as a concussion so that the brain inside doesn't hit to the skull. But when you're playing sports or when you've had a car accident and that, and that force is really hard, so the acceleration is so hard, so high. The brain inside hits to the skull very forcefully, and that's, and that cushion of fluid is no longer um, a cushion because the, the force has been so hard mm-hmm. from the acceleration or the whiplash, acceleration, deceleration impact. And so that's what we call the brain bruises because it hits onto the skull from the inside. So most of the time they're not visible um, bruises to the brain. You can get multiple bruises. You can get one bruise. The severity of it really depends on the symptoms that you get. Um, and it might be less severe, but you might have more symptoms because that depends on the region of the brain that has hit to the skull. And this is what makes it so variable and so uh, hard, to, hard to understand in a way.
0: What are the symptoms of a concussion? Because I'm sure, you know, as you just mentioned, if a different part of the brain gets hit, the symptoms could vary. So I feel like it could be quite hard to know when someone is indeed concussed depending on It the really depends
1: on the severity. Mm-hmm. So it depends, uh, you know, you can... Most doctors, if you go to a doctor after you've had a concussion, if you've realised that you've had a concussion, screen for more than 25 symptoms or signs of a concussion. So you might have dizziness, you might have vomiting, you might have just a mild headache. Um you might have blurriness in the in the vision. These are all symptoms that they look for. But, you know, if say for example you're playing soccer or you're playing football or and and you do have a concussion, some people don't even feel that they've had a concussion. Um, some people uh get knocked out from a concussion and that's where the severity lies. Uh the thing is is that you can get an onset of symptoms right immediately after a concussion and then you know that you've had a concussion. But sometimes you're The onset of symptoms can be delayed by a week or so, and that's when you start getting the symptoms. So it's it's. It's hard to
0: know whether or not what you're experiencing is because of the impact, rather than something else that you've. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and
1: that's and that's where it becomes much harder for doctors to identify. You know, Mm. is this are these symptoms that you're having because you had a concussion, and whether you remember whether you've had a concussion. And a lot of things um, that contribute to that is that you've had a concussion and you still um, engage in other activities that might cause another concussion that might be milder but um, has more severe consequences of the brain because the brain is still trying to heal from the first concussion or the first injury. So there's a lot to think about and lots of variables that you need to take into account to assess um, how... Uh, what a concussion! When what you've had for a concussion, what the symptoms may be, and how they reflect on uh, different types of individuals.
0: So, when the brain gets bruised, what actually happens on you know the the cellular level? Like what's actually causing the? I mean, I'm sure it is somewhat complex, but is there could you comment or just in, v- comment in very on? simple
1: terms? I mean, the brain is made of cells that function in a normal manor, manner every day. Um, so you have cells that take up energy and they um, take up nutrients to uh, to perform the daily activities, for example. Um, now, if that part of the brain is bruised, obviously that cell is damaged. So the way it takes up the energy, the way it takes up nutrients, the way it functions with the rest of the cells around it, because they all form a homogeneous sort of system-like way of performance, um, it just doesn't function the right way anymore because it's damaged. and And this... And depending on how severe that damage is, it can either recover with time or it can sort of uh, cause further damage downstream to other cells around it and, and, and then the consequences become more severe. Okay. Um, I think there's not much information out there on, you know, I mean, there's, there's a range of, of things that might happen to the cell. So, you know, you might get edema, you might get energy, energy disruptions, you might get, um, I don't know what type of molecular pathway is that would get damaged, but it's really hard to pinpoint, especially from the research that's available on concussion, what the background or the underlying pathology is, um, especially from a single cell. Mm. So in the human brain, we can't pick up those changes, no. and that's why we go back to preclinical studies where we use animals to be able to identify at that single cellular level, You know, can we detect those changes so for example, in animals, you can do single electrode recordings. So you can put a needle into the brain and or an electrode and it can measure the the potential of a cell and how it's functioning or the neural activity mm-hmm. of a cell. And Did we
0: discover something earlier on this year? Um, I think it was done at Berkeley, UC Berkeley or something, where the, oh, God, I can't remember, but it's something like the... You know, part of the brain, part of the, the neurons are, are far more active. I'm going to look this up yeah. um, because um, I think it was the active Berkeley. No, because so it, it changes It's the um... – no, it doesn't matter. Ignore me. We'll move on. Because <laughs> I, 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 I messaged my friend Sri that I was telling about. Because about, yeah. I, I saw some headlines and it's really – easy for publications, or oh, not publications, but, you know, just there's shitty journalism in the world, and they just, like, take a headline and then they just, yes. you know, run with okay. it. So I said, hey, what is the significance of this? And he said, oh, this is actually quite significant. But it's obviously not significant enough for me to <laughs> <not> remember <laughs> it, so we'll move on. Okay. Um, so how long can a concussion last? Because I understand there's something called post-concussion syndrome.
1: So it's basically what well they refer to post concussion syndrome is is referred to the symptoms that you get so based on the symptoms you either have the syndrome or not. Mm-hmm. Now, as I mentioned earlier, you can either get the symptoms immediately after the concussion, um, and they might go away the next day or the next week or so, and you might have uh, long lasting effects of concussion. So, for example, you might have heard of the a rugby player Justin Clark. He had concussion. He had symptoms from a concussion last up to two years following his concussion. Very debilitating um, effects. So he was an aeronautical engineer who was a very bright student at at uni Um, and after his second or third concussion it uh, it went down down track. So he started getting um, very, very bad headaches. He wasn't able to uh, to do just even the simple tasks of um, of understanding what he read, of doing simple tasks at home. Um, even walking became hard for him. And it took him about three months to be able to start getting back on track, but he was still, couldn't remember things. He had a, a deficit, a very significant deficit in memory. Um, even going back to university to do his modules, for example, it would take, uh, you know, he couldn't do them all at once anymore. So he had to do one every semester and then, you know, accumulate those over time to be able to... So you look at these consequences and you think, you know, he's a rugby player who's been playing well, maybe, I don't know, ever since he was a young child. Uh, but the only concussions that he can remember of are only one or two. Um, and it was only that third one, for example, that, that really um, uh, sort of surfaced the symptoms that weren't there mm-hmm. before. So, and and this is what's become a very hot topic at the moment in terms of uh, uh, the the repetitive injuries that you might get and the time frame between those injuries. Mm-hmm. So, one thing we're not we're not we don't know is how long does it take for a concussion to repair itself? Now, why do some concussions last for years, uh, months? Why do some concussions only last for a week and then the and then the symptoms are gone? And um, when they do last for months, how long does it take for them to repair? And so if you've had one concussion where you don't get any symptoms after that, um, how long has it taken the brain to recover from that one concussion? You know, if you if you get no symptoms, does that mean that your brain has not been injured or has not been bruised in a sense and then you go ahead and still on the field you're still playing and you get another concussion you say oh you know this is the concussion that really caused these severe symptoms but is it that repetitive injury that you've had that's accumulated this consequent this severe injury to the brain that's caused it to surface as a as a very bad um, health threatening symptom also
0: so any impact on the brain that causes a little bit of damage is classified as a concussion even if there are no symptoms like any
1: Yes, any, any impact, impact so to the brain.
0: E- even the smallest. Yes. Is so a it's, concussion. it's really
1: hard to say. Because it feels like a big spectrum. It of is a of very, PBAs, it's a, it's PBAs. a very big spectrum. But the thing is, is that we don't know what's happening on the inside of the brain. So you can see now in the NFL, they have these sort of bands which they put on the head to assess the, the pressure or the force of mm-hmm. the, of the impact when, when a concussion happens. And so there's a red light that comes up or a green light that says, oh, you know, you know, you've passed this sort of threshold. Um, before, below that, the, con- the concussion's not as hard, but above that, the concussion's too hard and you have to be off the field. And uh, these are sort of research-type bands which they're sort of wearing to, to assess whether they can detect how hard the impact was. Mm-hmm. The one thing that, that gets to me is that, you know, even though I say, for example, this is the threshold where above that you have to be off the field or below that you can still stay on the field, we can't measure what's happening inside the brain. All we can measure the, is the outside, you know, what's the impact? But what does this impact or, or, or threshold convert to when you relate it to the bruise that's on the brain? You know, if you move your head back and forth like that, you know, that cushion is still, the liquid inside still protects it. So you don't get that hard. But if you've, you know, hit your head across a ball and, and, and the force is so hard that the brain has moved back and forth inside the skull, that's what really determines what the um, impact of the injury is.
0: I understand your work at the moment is looking into the biomarkers concussions produce. Is that right? Like, so how we yeah. can actually measure exactly the effect? Of so being... what
1: we're what we're trying to do is be able to look at the biomarkers that can uh, allow us to assess the the severity of that injury, even if it's very mild. So, for example, if you've had an injury in the brain, you were talking about cellular cellular changes or at the level of the cell. What's happening? So when that cell becomes uh, stops working for example or becomes uh, or it gets damaged it starts secreting things to tell you that it's damaged you know secreting markers like a, I don't know um, an axon marker or a protein that um, that's because that cell maybe broke down then the proteins in it were broken down they get secreted out into the blood for example or into the cerebral spinal fluid it gets secreted somewhere into the body so that you can um, then probably measure that as a um as a reflection of the damage that's happened. So if you've had, for example, I don't know a 100 cells that have been damaged and broken down and you get secretions, those secretions are going to be less than when you have maybe a thousand cells. This is just a, a sort of uh, trying to make the uh, picture a bit more simple um, in terms of but the numbers are not right, mm-hmm. obviously. And so, you obviously get more secretions into the blood and the, and the levels of the proteins in the blood are much higher compared to when you have a more, lower, less damage. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so trying to assess what these markers are that are being secreted into the blood. So taking, for example, normal people or prior to an injury and then post concussion. And then see if you've done a screening of, of, I don't know, 20 or 30 markers. Um, and you know that these markers have increased after the concussion, that can give us sort of an idea. Where we can correlate the severity of the concussion. So if somebody has been knocked out due to a concussion versus somebody who's had a mild concussion where they don't see much symptoms, but we know that there's been that impact on the field. Um, how does that reflect in terms of the concentration or the amount of these markers that have changed after a concussion? So it can give us an idea. So if you, hopefully we can get to a stage where if you've had a game and you've been, and you've gone, I don't know, and had an impact or been knocked out or went to the hospital, if you just take a blood sample or a saliva sample, uh, you should be able to determine the levels of these markers. And 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 based on these levels, you can say, oh, you know, it's taken you a week for these levels to come back down, which is sort of representative of the brain has healed itself compared to maybe months where those markers are high and there's something that's contributing to them. Mm-hmm.
0: And it'd be great to get a, like a a test in real time just to be able to, you bumped your head, you come off the field, do a saliva swab, oh, Exactly. Not any yeah.
1: And I think, I think we'll get to that stage. It's mm. just very early at the moment because it's just, we've, we're still at a stage where we really don't understand what's happening. You know, for first you have to understand what's happening. Then you have to get the, 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 the diagnostic ways to diagnose what's happened. And then third, you have to, uh, once you know what is changing, you can create treatments for that or you can advise on certain precautions that can be done.
0: So, what actually happens when you lose consciousness? Is there a some sort of threshold that we cross where the the brain's like, nope, we're gonna turn off the lights for a for a few seconds? Do, do we know what causes a loss of consciousness where an impact is concerned?
1: I don't know what causes that sort of switch. Mm-hmm. To tell you the truth, that you know you're sort of okay and then you've lost consciousness, but it's all related to uh, blood pressure. It's related to your peripheral system, apart from the brain mm-hmm. as well. Okay. So. Um, You know, if you have loss of blood blood here, yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, and so the peripheral system has much more to play in terms of that compared to the brain, because Mm -hmm. obviously your brain hasn't gone dead; it's still functioning. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, the you know what the impact of loss of consciousness on long-term effects of the brain is also an interesting topic, because if you've had an impact and you've been knocked out or lost conscious, loss of consciousness. Most of the time relates to loss of oxygen to the brain, for example. So you get hypoxic and hypoxia is one of the main detrimental effects of brain function. Okay. Um, we know that, you know, when you get hypoxic, so people who go up to very high um, mountain climbers, they get very hypoxic. And so brain function deteriorates more when you have hypoxia. So loss of consciousness is sort of a, a second of that, of yeah. that. You know, and how frequent it happens might contribute more to the, to the severity of the symptoms that you see or the long-term consequences that you see. So it's... It's not good. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, what about the use of helmets in sports? Do they have any impact at all on the brain and on limiting the effects of or the potential effects of a concussion?
1: I mean, if, if we could, what we've said so far. If we understand what concussion is, there's no impact at all. Theoretically or logically, you wouldn't say that a helmet would have mm-hmm. any positive or negative impact on 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 the um, progression of of, of Unless what. Unless it a- crumpled
0: a sufficient amount. Unless there's a lot of crum- As if it was like a, a you know a car. The, if it crumples, it absorbs the energy. But if it's like a nice hard helmet. Then you're just going to be your brain's going to be bouncing around regardless.
1: Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. And and not only that. I mean, I, I would think that you know my my view on this is that helmets only help in terms of external mm-hmm. fractures, external. But on the inside, what's happening? The, the it's all related to the force. Yeah,
0: and if anything, they give you a false sense of security. I mean, exactly. I, Watching the NFL players, they are. Uh, Crazy. They are flying weapons. Yes. They just launch. Yeah, and it's themselves. because they
1: have, um, you know, I think they'd probably take, a, 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 they think about it twice before doing it if they didn't have a helmet. Yeah,
0: oh, for sure. Yeah.
1: And, so, <laughs> yeah. and so that's, and it's definitely a false sense of security. So, um, in any way, my thought on it would be that it probably um, has a negative impact on the progression of a concussion compared to uh, uh, without having a helmet, mm. for example, because you, you're more cautious when you don't
0: have mm. one. So, looking into. Uh, you know the different football codes and the experiences of some of the players um, down the line. You know, maybe retired players. What have they experienced um, in terms of brain health uh, after you're having retired?
1: Hmm. So, I mean, it really depends. You see, so some players have played all their life and they have and they've been have concussions throughout their whole career and they don't suffer from any debilitating cognitive deficit or so. They seem to function normally. Um, I mean, in terms of IQ, I can't sort of say, but, um, you know, there's different factors that play a role in that. Um, but at least from the studies that have come out from NFL players, for example, which is a huge amount of studies, uh, uh, amount of players that have been invested post-mortem-wise, we know now that there is a relationship between um, you having repetitive concussions uh, over time and early onset of dementia, for example. So we know that they have... Um, low physical, low mental health, low cognitive health um, earlier on and, and and that raises the question as to why some people play for example rugby throughout their whole life or play any type of sports that, that they're at risk of multiple concussions throughout their life and have no issues and others that do have very debilitating issues or um, health uh, conditions earlier on like say at the age of 40 or 45 um, which has sort of raised the issue as to whether concussion predisposes you to early onset of dementia. And this is a very, very hot topic at the mm-hmm. moment because that may be the case. If you're damaging cells over and over again, obviously you're at the age of 40 or 45, where you're supposed to be at the peak of your mental health, um, you're getting degeneration of the brain um, that looks similar to Alzheimer's disease, and that's what we call chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And so this, this has been, um, a very significant light that's, that's been put onto these type of players because, you know, I don't know what kind of other factors. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. they, they might have different types of products that they have. They might have, might be alcoholic, which might contribute mm-hmm. to the consequences. But we also think that, you know, there might be a genetic predisposition, um, to having long-term effects of concussion. So you might your your genetic makeup or your or your body or your environmental exposure uh, makes you more prone to getting uh, long term consequences from a concussion to pa- yeah. compared to other people.
0: I've I've heard that um, the use of cannabis or so cannabis can have neuroprotective qualities when when concussions are concerned. Have you heard anything about that? Because I know that in the NFL, a lot of players are um, using it. Are for, using it? Uh, yeah, I mean,
1: it's not only cannabis. There's uh, there's other products as well. Um, there's not been those solid, robust studies which have looked mm. into that. I mean to be able to to make a make clean, a clean um, uh, sort of comment on that you'd have to have a clean study population yeah. where you 've invested in looking at that yeah. I mean there's lots of things that can have neuroprotective effects and and it's really hard to yeah. say whether cannabis has contributed to that or not before we understand whether you know you have other variables, other... Uh,
0: There's so much going on in people's lives. Yeah. Just, just that, to yeah. take that one variable and say... Uh, yes, it's yes exactly. A ...is very, very hard. I mean, and you probably need
1: a lar- very, very large, uh, like a, a big study of thousands of players versus those players who have not taken cannabis to mm. be able to make that kind of conclusion. Yeah. So it's quite inconclusive from the small sample sizes that they use in current studies.
0: Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, with regards to children and contact sports uh what are they at greater risk or at less risk or what's the what's your opinion or what, what do we know where that's cons- where kids are concerned
1: it's hard to say i mean you know but but the one thing in my view is that you know kids are the brain is still developing up until the age of your 20s um it's in this phase of changing and so If you alter that sort of phase while it's in this developing mode, it can be altered for the worst or for the better, who knows? Mm -hmm. So if you've damaged it in a sense. And it's just in and it's already in an in an ever changing environment that's changing all the time because they're developing, they're being exposed to new um environments and being exposed to everything that's new in their life. The brain is still trying to cope. Connections between the brain are still building up because that's the whole point, that's the whole basis of how we function. Connectivity between different brain areas, you know, how you can connect one brain region to another one and how they interact with each other and how they communicate. And if you alter that, um, I think it would have more severe consequences than to a brain which is already, um, the adult brain, which is already developed um, and... uh, can cope with a with an injury or a damage or an alteration in a different way than to a developer brain
0: so is the and, and this could be you know somewhat controversial, but is the answer to not engage in these contact sports or just to really question really take a hard look and think is this worth the potential you know ramifications down the track?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to say. I don't think that we should say that, you know, we don't want to play sports. It's a very important part mm, of our lives. You need sure. to play sports. It's physical, mental development, you know, sports in a sense. So nothing, um, nothing needs to sort of be put in grounds that you have to you know, stop playing sports. Uh, just because this is a risk. There's a risk you're walking on the street and getting hit by a car. There's a risk. I mean, the risks obviously increase when you play sports.
0: I hit my head all the time opening doors and I'm clumsy yes. and I'm, I've probably gotten some sort but of. Exactly. My son does that. the same thing. He just, <laughs> he just
1: hits his head on the floor every day. And so, and so it's not, it's not about sport. I think it's more taking, um, t- observing and taking a look and questioning, um, if you do have an impact or if you observe an impact, what you need to do to, um, lessen the effect of that impact on your child, for example. So I think this is where parents have to stand and sort of say initially, um, mostly before concussion became a big topic, people used to just ignore it. Oh, you know, he had a bump on his head with his, with his mate during rugby or during football or, I don't know, during tennis, although it's very unlikely in tennis, but, um, and then, you know, he's had a t- headache and then they just, he goes back onto the field. And I think this is where parents or rugby teams or players or friends have to sort of, you know, put a stop to that and sort of say, no, this has to be looked at more seriously because it is serious. The injury might be a very low impact in the beginning, but if that person goes back and has another concussion just because they went back on the field without being precautioned as not to do that, um, the consequences may be severe and we know that they are. Um, it is a damage to the brain. We can't say other than that. It is. You've had an impact. You've had an injury. Um, brain obviously, yeah, yeah, the brain has been bruised.
0: Literally brain damaged for a little bit.
1: You know, you bruise your knee and you sit aside for an hour or two because it's bruised. Yeah. Um, you bruise your brain, but nothing happens to it. It doesn't mean it hasn't been bruised. Mm. And I think that's what's significant about the brain because it still functions. It's a very complex organ. Um, very vital and very, um, dynamic, you know. That's what's interesting about it, but it also gets damaged, and and we can't detect that. All we can do is take precautions. From the studies we know, there is a serious impact of of a concussion on the brain, and what we need to do is, you know, limit uh, limit it from uh, from getting worse. Mm. In the sense that we don't have uh, ways to detect it at the moment. You know, I mean, if you're, if you're getting to a stage where you have very severe symptoms like vomiting and dizziness and blurred vision and massive headaches and severe headaches, you know, obviously that impact has been quite high. It's not just a very mild impact, you know, and it may recover after a week because the brain has had time to sit down and recover. It's just like when you sleep. Mm-hmm. Your body has nothing else to do but to take care of repairing your body and repairing any damage that's happened to it. So, Obviously, you need to sit down and let it repair itself because it ha- if it has to take care of doing something else at the same time when it's repairing, it doesn't repair it in a proper way.
0: All right. So, I hope you enjoyed that episode and I hope you learned something because I definitely did. I had no idea that any type of brain injury like that was called a concussion. So, there you go. So, if you would like to support this podcast, you can share it with your friends, like it on Facebook. But if you really want to support it, you could become my patron. Um, so, just head to talkoftoday.com or patreon.com slash talkoftoday. And for, le- for about $1 a month, you can become a supporter of this podcast. And that would change this game for me. Uh, but that's only if you really, really support this. Um, I think each episode will equate to about 25 cents each. So, if-, if you are deriving at least that amount of value, please consider it because... I'm uh, supporting myself a couple of days a week um, through doing a job that is okay, but I prefer to work on this sort of stuff full time. And I have committed to not running any ads on this. So, your support and anything else is the only way that I can uh, make a living from this. So, it is greatly appreciated. Everything discussed in this podcast can be found at talkoftoday.com or in, in the show notes, which will be at talkofToday.com slash podcast dash three because I need to update that little URL thing. So yeah, just head to the podcast and um no, God, what am I saying? Head to the website and you'll find all the links mentioned. And uh from the sounds of it, there are some cool job opportunities working in an industry which, from the sounds of it, will have a tremendous impact on the world. Anyway, I'll wrap up here. Thanks again.